What is up, Crusaders of Crip Nation? It's your boys, Bryce. And this is Pizza Mind. Uh, hey, Bryce, it's early in the morning. Why did you drag me here? Because today, on Crypto 101, we've got Bancor, baby. Bancor is one of the most innovative decentralized exchanges in the world. Dude, their solutions to order matching and lack of liquidity, I mean, problems that all the other DEXs face, actually makes Bancor usable and enjoyable. I must still be asleep. You're telling me there's a good DEX and I'm not dreaming? Come on, Pete's get with the program. Bancor's not only real, but they have cross-chain trading between ERC-20 and EOS-based tokens. It's kind of like a dream, but if it came true, right? And they're only getting started. So on the show today, we've got Bancor's very own Nate Hinman, uh, who is the Director of Communications and works on all things growth at Bancor. Nate, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, we are really excited. We kind of just want to jump into it. So tell the audience who you are, what brought you into crypto? What what was it about crypto that made it so much more special than any of the other things you were doing? Yeah, so uh, my background is, right, I work on growth at, uh, at Bancor and, and actually started my career as a, a journalist. I was an early employee at the Huffington Post and was there for, for quite a few years up through the acquisition and uh, by AOL and spent a lot of my time covering sort of business, finance, you know, covering stories at the White House and Silicon Valley, New York Stock Exchange. And really, my kind of focus um, started to, to to be around crowdfunding. So, you know, interviewing you know the founders of AngelList, Kickstarter, following along with the sort of the Jobs Act and the gig economy, and then sort of went back to school actually to uh, to learn how to code. Um, started a couple of startups along the way. Uh, joined a, a startup in uh, Silicon Valley. It was eventually acquired by Pinterest. You know, I I've been following blockchain and. And crypto for for some time, but you know, really didn't start paying attention uh, until sort of Ethereum came around and and this sort of ICO boom. And when it started to to kind of be clear that that one of crypto's sort of first killer apps was uh, crowdfunding, um, seeing some of these token sales and be funded not by the you know Silicon Valley guys, but thousands and thousands of people from all over the world, it, you know, kind of things kind of came full circle. Sort of you know my past in journalism and covering this space really sort of sent me down the sort of rabbit hole with blockchain and crypto. And you know, stumbled upon Bancor uh, here in Tel Aviv. There's a R&D office. It's a it's a Swiss-based company, but there's a big R&D office here. And have been sort of off off to the races since then. That was about um, two years ago. Um, so right around the time of the uh, the token sale in, in June 2017. That was awesome. It, it seems like you know you came from the world of crowdfunding. And it was really a relevant opportunity for you to realize that, hey, you know, there's now literally an entirely new mode of crowdfunding through the ICO. So it makes a lot of sense that you ended up where you did. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild. It was, um, it was like, at first I, I recognized that, um, like a lot of folks did, you know, it's not only sort of in expanding this pool of who can be investors from, you know, from from Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road to to literally anyone, but it's 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 also this um, expanding the pool of you know what is a kind of investable asset you know and I like to to sort of think about it like there's this kind of atomization of of funding that we're seeing you know where it's it started with the the startups and the companies 
you know, with ICOs and and then sort of the natural financial products from sort of real estate and and IP and um, stocks being sort of brought on to to the blockchain. And then now we're you know starting to get into more granular stuff. You know, everything from gaming to collectibles to sort of di- digital content, even to kind of individual memes as being this sort of fundable pool of assets. Um, so, so it's the kind of tokenization stuff that, yeah, that, that, that's been my focus since I've got involved. So tell us, uh, what is Bancor? Um, what is it today and what does it ultimately, uh, intend to be in the future when it's fully completed? So Bancor has been around, we were, uh, Pretty early in the space, there's a there's a token sale in in June 2017, and so Bancor's grand vision is really to be a, the liquidity mechanism for the kind of long tail of tokens. You know, we're we're envisioning this world where there's tokens for everything from you know art to to artists to charities to nonprofits to local communities. It's just fundamentally recreating how we collaborate and create new types of organizations. But these sort of new and niche currencies in particular, they're fundamentally failed by the bid-ask exchange model. Um, it, it, the, the sort of classic exchange model, and, and we can dig into this, presents a kind of liquidity barrier where in order to be viable as a currency, in order for your currency to be easy to buy and sell and, and you know, hard to be hard to manipulate, you need to be liquid. You need to have a lot of, of sort of available buyers and sellers. And so what Bancor does is it ensures constant liquidity for any asset, no matter how many buyers and sellers exist. And so it's sort of pioneering this new model that's not based on order matching between buyers and sellers, but it's actually based on trading directly against a smart contract that always ensures the asset's liquidity. And I can can kind of dig in in, into what that means and and why we really think it's sort of the future of, of asset exchange and decentralized exchange and centralized exchanges is we really think it's based on this model, especially for this kind of long tail of tokens that you know can't pay the high listing fees to get on exchanges. And even when they are on exchanges, they have to market make and generate sort of high buyer, high amounts of buyers and sellers to avoid these sort of you know massive spreads and, and high manipulation. You know, this just fundamentally fails a lot of these new sort of tokens and that are that are launching to support these new networks. And so that's where sort of Bancor's model uh, really shines. And, and that's really this vision. That's awesome. It sounds like it's also quite a different model uh, than some of the other DEXs that are out there. Is that right? I guess we have this thesis here that network design tends to kind of lag behind advancements in uh, computer technology. So if you think about when the internet came around, the sort of obvious thing to do for a lot of information providers, you know, Yellow Pages, for instance, they just transferred all the everything onto you know yellowpages.com or Encyclopedia Britannica just became Encyclopedia Britannica.com and they just you know transferred all their data onto these sites. And no one could have really foreseen that the 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 Yelps of the world would displace Yellow Pages or that Wikipedia would come along and 
make the encyclopedia business online sort of obsolete. So it's this idea that this network design really takes time to sort of catch up to these advancements. And and where we're at right now is what's happened with exchanges is they've essentially replicated the old model, the bid-ask exchange model, onto crypto. And, and a lot of the sort of same issues that have plagued you know, asset exchange, everything from manipulation to volatility to having this liquidity, liquidity barrier for small scale and, and new and niche currencies, it just gets replicated and sometimes even magnified in the crypto world. So most decentralized exchanges are based still on order matching between buyers and sellers. So you need a buyer and seller to fulfill a trade. And Bancor, you know, flips this sort of P2P model and, and is really innovating on this P2C model that has really exploded in sort of the decentralized finance world. And so, so a user is trading directly against a smart contract in this, uh, in this model. And, and you know, the, the experience for the user... Um, submitting a token and getting one in return, you know that the, the end user experience is somewhat similar. But behind the scenes, when a conversion is processed by Bancor, it's getting processed by a sort of interconnected network of on-chain liquidity pools, right? And and we can dig into kind of what what a liquidity pool is. It's essentially a smart contract that's created and owned and managed by a third-party liquidity provider. So that's not Bancor. That's a liquidity provider that's plugging into the system. Bancor is a permissionless protocol. So anyone can create one of these liquidity pools on Bancor without having to deal directly with our core development team. And all they do is stake an amount of some type of token. Currently, it could be an ERC-20, an Ethereum-based token, or it could be an EOS-based token, and an amount of what we call a network token. In, in Bancor's case, it's Bancor's network token, BNT. And so you know, the, these people that are, that are creating these liquidity pools, they could be the founders of the token project, or they could simply be a user who wants to add liquidity to a token on Bancor. And the incentive for them is each conversion that's processed against these liquidity pools generates a fee that's then sort of deposited back into the liquidity of the pool. So the liquidity provider or the token issuers created the relay can generate fees off of the conversions and Bancor behind the scenes, it's you know it's just a protocol, it's just a network, it's nonprofit. Unlike other exchanges that sort of make money off trade volume and and off each conversion, Bancor takes no fee. It's just the creator of the liquidity pools that 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 takes that fee. And then you know when a conversion occurs, it's essentially let's say I'm converting Dai to basic attention token. The conversion is happening where it goes DAI uh, to BNT and then BNT to, um, to, to BAT, the basic attention token. So the, the network token BNT is connecting those liquidity pools and allowing for conversions to occur autonomously without an order book, without order matching. And there's all sorts of benefits to this constant liquidity for, for tokens. So it sounds like um, the Bancor token is really, really valuable. 
However, how does Bancor, the nonprofit, generate money to stay in business? And what are the plans to keep it open for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so Bancor had a had a pretty hefty sized uh, token sale in in June 2017. At the time, it was about 150 uh, million uh, ether. I'm sorry, 150 million USD um, in Ethereum. And so there's 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 that treasury that's used to fund development of the protocol and of um, you know of ecosystem sort of developments. And then the model is also that each time someone wants to um, add a liquidity pool to the the Bancor protocol, they have to purchase an amount of the Bancor network token and use an amount of their tokens. And they're staking those in a smart contract that they own. So they can always withdraw the liquidity as they want there it's it's not like a sunk cost like a listing it's not like a listing fee at a exchange where you kind of just pay the exchange but you're purchasing the token um, you're staking those tokens in these liquidity pools and then as these as as BNT is purchased to create these uh, liquidity pools it's increasing the value of BNT so Bancor is sort of um, you know living off its treasury of BNT. And as more tokens join the network, it's putting sort of upward pressure uh, on that price. What are some more use cases for tokens um, and like the long tail of tokenization that you foresee? Because you've got such a unique vantage point. Bancor is, you know, we really are making a bet. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
on there being millions of tokens. Um, you know, like I said, tokens for, for artwork and for charities, for, you know, local currencies. It's not just a startup ICO. We think there's going to be tons of different um, sort of, uh, you know, network models. I, I actually came across um, a cool one in, in sort of the content world. Um, someone was proposing that, you know, instead of paying like a, a Netflix subscription, you know, what if you staked an amount of tokens in in a, a liquidity pool, right? And you could binge on your favorite series. And then after you're done with your series or whatever you wanted to watch, you could sort of withdraw those tokens. And, you know, while they were staked, what, you know, Netflix or, or whatever the content provider could do is they could lend them out and generate interest off those tokens and, you know, do all sorts of things. So, that's just an example of, of of tokens sort of in the in the content world. You know, you can think of podcasters, YouTubers launching their own tokens. And as anyone who manages an online community, as the community grows, since they're these sort of on-chain and algorithmic mechanics built into these tokens, the whole community and world can verify that as the network is growing, the, the value of the token is increasing. That's sort of the, the beauty of the Bancor protocol, that as a token is bought in the protocol, it rises along algorithmic, fixed algorithmic curve. And then as it's sold, it drops along this price curve. And these, you know, you can kind of think of these as bonding curves, which is kind of a, an adaptation of, of the Bancor model too. So I, I believe that the sort of probably first biggest kind of use case will be in gaming. You know, we're already seeing a lot of gaming companies starting to build their games on the blockchain. And it's really, it's a vote of confidence for sort of where we think scalability will go. But, you know, we're seeing all sorts of interesting experiments. One is like uh, someone just launched a DAO for for the presidential candidate for called the Yang Dao um, for Andrew Yang. And so, you know, there's... I never heard about that one. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> That's Yang, awesome. The Yang Dao, it's, uh, and uh, looks super interesting. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, this, it's this vision that, um, you know, tokenization is going to affect all sorts, you know, politicians, uh, um, you know, all, all, all these different verticals. Gaming is super interesting. Engine is is a product in in particular, uh, or sorry, a, a platform in particular that you know allows gamers to create uh, in-game tokens, um, their own tokens for for their games, and those tokens are then usable across their network. And there's also open liquidity channels that allow those tokens to be exchanged for you know. Um, for, for popular cryptocurrencies, for, you know, Ethereum, EOS, Bitcoin, you know, I'm, I'm most bullish on, on tokenization taking off in, in gaming at first, but as the tools and as the, the barriers kind of are lowered to create your own token and, and not just to have your own token, but have it be instantly and constantly liquid for other tokens, I think we're going to, you know, we, we can't even imagine the type of network models that, that are going to emerge. Yeah, and with all that vast uh, growth coming our way, and as we look at where the market's at today, we're a little over, you know, twenty three hundred tokens on Coin Market Cap. Can you pick 
three tokens uh, aside from the top three that you think are still going to be around in 10 years? Well, hmm, tough to say. Um, I, you know, if Libra was in there, I'd probably uh, pick, pick them. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, I wonder if Engine is in that top 20 for the gaming reasons, you know, and, and the sort of head start they have, I, I think they would be up there. And, you know, we, we've been super impressed with the sort of developer ecosystem that's growing up around EOS through the sort of scalability and the transaction times really does lend itself to this sort of, you know, consumerization and tokenization. You know, we think that has some staying power too. And, and that kind of, you know, was one of the impetus for Bancor expanding its uh, liquidity network to EOS from Ethereum. So we're now sort of cross blockchain uh, liquidity network and, and planning to expand to more. If those are, you know, in the top three, I'd, I'd think those <laughs> are but when my friends uh, ask me what bets to make right now, I usually just, I, I tell them to hold off on getting involved. You know, we're still in creative destruction mode. There's so many new um, paradigms that a lot of the, I guess, uh, networks and sort of startups are, you know, having to deal with everything from, you know, the open source design of these networks that anyone can really get forked at any time. It, it creates on one side uncertainty about what to what to bet on, but the other side, such accountability. I love that. I've never heard the creative destruction mode. And I like that because that's truly like this innovators paradise that we're in right now where, you know, people could be super creative and build all these crazy ideas and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but then there's no user adoption or the use case doesn't work or whatever and it gets destroyed. But I, I love that idea of this, this time is a creative destructive mode. Yeah, that, that's a great way of describing it. And I think what we're trying to um, evolve to is rather than being creative destructive, but creative collaborative now saying, okay, they've got this platform that does this. We have this product that does this. We have this use case. We have this use case. And I really think that uh, projects are going to start combining. You're going to start seeing enterprises come in and buy out several projects to make one giant ecosystem to compete with uh, uh, another huge ecosystem, um, maybe join ecosystems all together. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how things uh, shape up over the course of the next few years as only the strong are going to survive and people are going to find new ways to get stronger. I mean, we've seen a massive flush out of, you know, in the last, what, two years it's been in this bear market of all the kind of altcoins that used to be in the top 100 and now are, you know, not even top two, 300. So I think uh, we're we're still in the process of separating the chaff from the wheat, if you will. Yeah, I don't think we'll truly see the rise of altcoin until we truly see a breakout blockchain-based product. Yeah, People use Facebook and YouTube and, and Reddit because they're amazing products. They don't use them because they're speculating. Or because they like believe in something. It's like, oh, I just, it actually is useful. But, but what's crazy is that the Reddits and the, the YouTubes and the Facebooks of the future will hopefully emerge with these sort of, you know, ecosystem dynamics where the the capital is not going to just accumulate at the top, you know, it's going to be spread out. Whereas, you know, the, the, the users can actually be stakeholders and sort of uh, experience and, and grow and see an upside in, in the growth of the network. Very well said. 
So, so we, we always like to close out the show uh, with a couple questions. Um, of all the characters in the crypto space, uh, all the geniuses, all of the, the wonderful people, who is it that you admire the most and why, if you had to choose one? I guess I'm, I'm going to have to go with someone who's, uh, who's sadly uh, no longer around, who just recently passed. And this was a guy who was sort of thinking about decentralized technologies um, really before Bitcoin or, or blockchain was on anyone's one's map. There's a guy named Bernard Leotard, who's an economist. He's actually most well known because he was the co-architect of the euro and eventually was, was one of the top currency traders in the world and then ended up sort of dedicating his life to this new emerging field of economics that's really happened in the past 30 years called community currencies. And he was, was really talking about these sort of decentralized local currency systems that would allow local groups and local communities to launch their own currencies outside of the national currency and that would really allow them to collaborate better and, and, and take care of some of the fundamental flaws of our money systems. So he was thinking about reinventing money really long before blockchain ever came around and then, and then blockchain hit and, and we actually ended up um, talking with him and connecting with him and he, and he joined uh, Bancor's board as its, as its president and, and really felt that this sort of liquidity problem was what was preventing community currencies from really achieving wide scale adoption. And so he, he really inspires a lot of our work here and a lot of you know, my work and, and the sort of vision that, that we finally can achieve an alternative currency system. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never heard of him, but I'm going to go do some research for sure. Check him out. He's got some amazing books, really exquisite writer and speaker. Actually, if you just look him up on YouTube, uh, he's got a bunch of really awesome talks on, uh, on, on blockchain right when, it was, uh, right when it was really coming to the public's, uh, public's view. Uh, as we wrap up, we've got one last question. If this is the very first podcast that someone heard about crypto, what would you want them to know about getting into this space that might keep them safe? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this from a kind of operator's uh, view, not necessarily from like an investor or someone, someone buying into the space. But when I was joining uh, crypto, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like uh, all the startup guys are you know piling in. We're going to recreate the startup world on, on crypto, using crypto networks and using blockchain. And so I talked to a lot of people who are thinking about, you know, getting into this space from a career perspective. And, you know, I, I want to say that this, there are really a lot of new paradigms when it comes to launching crypto networks and, and startups in this world and sort of three really sort of um, main paradigms, you know, come to mind. One is what I mentioned before is that, you know, when you're building a crypto network, uh, or, you know, especially in my space, it's, uh, it's an open source thing. You're, you're building out in the open. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's really good for um, you know the accountability. Anyone can take your code and build you know your product if you're sort of not treating your users well. Um, but it's also you know anyone can fork you. So uh, so it's 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 one of those kind of paradigms that really changed the game for the startup world. Then there's the you know if you're if you're raising funds 
through a token or if you're launching a token, then you have thousands and you know potentially hopefully thousands of buyers and holders of that token who are not only users but you know they're also in some ways investors and, and shareholders so that you know that can be a lot for uh you know series a startup to handle most people are building behind the scenes with a small handful of silicon valley guys for at least several years until you know their 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 users actually become shareholders but to sort of launch a lot of these networks with you know thousands of, of token holders introduces a whole new paradigm to your startup and then lastly the sort of the regulatory uh climate um is you know there's so much uncertainty right now so um as a startup um you're used to uncertainty but you know get prepared you know you're you're really you're driving the ship very very prescient uh, i appreciate you very much uh crusaders of crypto nation that just about does it for us i hope you guys are armed with some new knowledge nate hinman from Bancor, director communications and working on all things growth uh thank you for joining us thank you guys so much really appreciate it and tell us real quick how do we uh how do we stay in touch with you uh, you prefer some twitter uh Twitter works for me uh, at Nate Hinman, also Nate at Bancor.network on email, and uh, and check us out at, at Bancor on Twitter. Awesome. And as always, guys, at Crypto101Pod is our Twitter handle. Come join our community and check us out. Thank you for your time, Nate. 